Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Reaction Monday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano. And so much to take away from... All right, I can't do it. Uh, Ole Miss beat up on Austin P. It is what it is. We're going to talk about it as much as we can anyway. But the biggest thing is, I mean, Lane Kiffin spoke to the media earlier today, Stephen, and I don't think there's any injuries to report. Right? He did. I mean, I, I didn't see any during the game. Yeah, the think... only ones were Umana and Springer. They were held out for whatever reason, and he said he expects them back next week. So, yeah, that sounds like it's a short term thing. So basically, no. In- I mean, as far as we know, no injuries, which is the biggest takeaway. But other stuff happened too. The game was played, and so we'll talk about that some right here. On the podcast, but first I want to remind you that it's brought to you by absms.com, Advantage Business Systems. absms.com is the website. If you're a business or a decision maker out of business scattered across the state of Mississippi, wherever you are, if you're in the borders of this state, they can service you. They offer office technology solutions from things like copiers and printers all the way down to Cloud storage and data security. If you're looking for office technology, if you're in the market for that, absms.com is the website. Tell them we sent you, and you'll get a complimentary office technology assessment on them, absms.com. Check them out there. And also LBs, just across from Kroger on University Avenue in Oxford. Go by and see Greg and tell him that we sent you. Get one of their daily lunch specials. Those are Monday through Friday, especially this week because it looks like we got some rain in the forecast really all week long. There's a tropical storm that's going to, hit Texas and come into Mississippi and dump a bunch of rain on us towards the end of the week. Hopefully by Saturday everything's gone and out. It should be. Yeah, I think anyway. midweek is when most of that's going to get here, so I would think that it clears out before then. But a lot of rain coming in your area, so let Greg and the good people there do the cooking for you. But they are open seven days a week. It's the best place in Mississippi to get your meat and tell them we sent you. Let's start with this. So a lot of stuff was made about the crowd or the lack thereof going into the game. People were honestly worried I, I like i heard the term the athletic department is worried about the turnout i heard that uh there were people talking like there was going to be thirty thousand people at the game and i thought all right okay you guys are insane there's no way that literally half of the seats are going to be empty in this game didn't turn out to be the case yes there were empty seats and there was a rather significant amount of them i think the box score said there was about forty-eight thousand people i would probably agree with that that's not that doesn't sound like an inflated number to me that sounds like that was about right yeah there are times when they release these numbers like the game in atlanta they said that that game what they put forty thousand. yeah knoxville reported over a hundred thousand and there was sixty five thousand. right sometimes you can look you know just at an overhead view and tell how inflated that number is I thought it was actually a pretty good showing, especially by the students, which is always a key thing. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about it a lot. You guys have heard so many people talk about it by now. But in modern college football, Austin P's really not going to sell out anybody, anywhere. I mean, there were empty seats for the Alabama-Mercer game. Alabama had empty seats for their FCS game. I mean, it's kind of a thing now in college football. But with all of that factored in, I thought it was fine. Honestly, it looked pretty good on TV. The student section, as Stephen mentioned, was 
full, packed. And they didn't leave. I had a friend that was at the game. He was like, shit, man, they didn't leave until like the middle of the third quarter. Like, the, it used to be a halftime exodus regardless of opponent. Did you see Kiffin's reason as to why they stayed? Yeah, they kept plumbing. They put <laughs> plumbing in the game. Funny. Yeah, that was that was good stuff. Saying, but, yeah, Levy said that you know we haven't practiced any of these plays. And he's like, yeah, who cares? They'll, they'll stay as long as he has the ball. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty great. Uh, but yeah, I was impressed. So if you're a student, I mean, shout out to you guys. Seriously, that that was awesome to see. Uh, I appreciate when the students lead something. That doesn't happen very often. College kids are dumb. I was dumb when I was a college kid, but to see. A full student section that stuck around, that means a couple of things. That means the students are are doing well and, and have a good mentality, a good mindset. It's a good student body that cares about their football team and their, their coach and the way they play is attractive enough to stay. But also some of the stuff that they've done. I wasn't at the game, but I talked to people that were at the game. The DJ, kind of a weirdo. You know, he's a DJ, <laughs> but apparently did a really good job. Music was good. It was People are, are complaining that it was too loud. Good. Good. I'm glad it was too loud. That's great. That it felt like it was like a party atmosphere. And, and that has, kids can get that on the square. They can go to a house party to get that atmosphere. So if they want that atmosphere, give them that atmosphere. Exactly. And so uh, I have on the radio show really spoken negatively about the Ole Miss game day production stuff especially with baseball. If you've been to an Ole Miss baseball game in the last 15 years, you've been to every Ole Miss baseball game. Like they had, Nothing's changed. It's all the same stuff. It's the same music, same everything. Uh, and football felt like that way for a while. It, it felt like they weren't doing anything. I know they were trying stuff, but it didn't feel like they were. It just felt like it was the same game and the same routine and just kind of a boring-ass atmosphere at Ole Miss. And no, I was not at the game on Saturday, but I, again, I, I sat with somebody who was yesterday watching the Saints, and he was like, it was different. He said it felt fun. He was like, it was fun watching Ole Miss play Austin P. That that loud music, DJ, was just kept the energy up in the game. And he was like, for Austin P, it was loud, and people were into it. It felt like I was having fun at a, at a football game. And that is not how it used to be. I saw they added stuff in some of the concourses for people to do, like, picture yeah. spots, that kind of thing. Yeah, if you give people... A reason to stay at the game, they will. And the more things that you can do like that, the more times you'll have people sticking around through a blowout. And then that brings people back for the bigger games. And really, you've seen that in the NFL. A lot of these new stadiums that are being built, it's not just what's happening on the field. They have new food options. They have new viewing options, places to go in the stadium. That's what it has to be moving forward for everyone. Wi-Fi, phone charging, port stuff like that. But yeah, back I, I was, when like when we would have been students, you couldn't send a text message in hell the stadium. No, God no. It was awful. You, you just had to concede the fact that your phone was not going to work during the game. Right. It wasn't. And also, I'm sure being able to buy beer helps. Now most students are under 21, but you know, it, never stopped them before. But I, I was impressed, honestly, and hearing what I heard after the game, the the old miss in-game production people, the marketing people, uh, did a really good job, apparently. And th- and this was just the first game. Like, my buddy yesterday was like, it wasn't perfect, but I'm sure they're going to work some stuff out. Like, they clearly were trying. And because they tried, people noticed. The chief complaint I've seen is, all oh, music was too loud. From, like, the old older fan base. Good. Because Old Miss, for so long, has been an environment that wasn't loud, that you could talk to the people on your row, and it was comfortable. I, I don't... 
I don't know. I hearing that the music was too loud is a good thing to me. I thought I think great. Keep it that way. The students were there for through the almost the third quarter. I mean, I saw the the pictures and interviews and stuff after the game when they played the alma mater or whatever. There's still students there. Like that, that I've never seen anyone stay for. Seriously. So so they did a really good job and the students did a really good job and the crowd was not near as bad as people were expecting. It looked it looked fine on television. There's going to be empty seats at Austin P games for the rest of time. Yep. Like that's just that's what's going to happen now. Alabama Mercer had empty seats. Ohio State didn't sell out their game against Oregon. Yes, there were still 100,000 people there, but not 104,000 people. There were thousands, literally, of empty seats in Columbus, Ohio for Ohio State-Oregon. Saturday in Oxford been, was perfectly fine. Yeah, the Ohio State one, I'd argue, was a bit of a byproduct of that one being so early. The 11 a.m.s just suck. I hate that. For such a big game, put that game at night, please. I don't care what Fox is trying to do with big noon kickoff or whatever it's called. Just put that game at night where it belongs. You know why they're doing that, though? Because the SEC dominates the national television. that's They feel like that is their best chance to maximize their audience. Because when they're going up against Alabama, Florida, they lose. Yep. That, so that, that's why they're doing that. Which it's is, a concerted effort to avoid, seriously, they played to avoid this SEC. Because this Saturday would have been the perfect time to do that. There was no marquee yep. SEC game this past Saturday. So they would have dominated that time slot. Yeah, well, joke's on them. And yep. joke's on Ohio State, too. But So... <laughs> You know, 47,000 people is not a lot, if that was, in fact, the actual number. But I thought the crowd was good enough. The students were great. What I've heard from the game day atmosphere is really, really, really encouraging. I can't help but think that Lane Kiffin's influence has done that. Make the games a party. Make it, especially for the 10,000 students that are there, the loudest section in the stadium, the most impactful section in the stadium. Like you said, it was a great point. Make them feel like they're at a party. Yep. Do do flashing lights and have a DJ that's playing the music that they like and it's loud and they've got beer that they can go buy there and then be very light on the pat downs, you know, just like <laughs> touch their shoulders or yeah. whatever and let them feel like they're at a party. Yeah, not everyone loves football as much as, you know, the next person. I love football. When I was a student, I stayed for every game just because yeah. I love football and I knew I was never going to get tickets that cheap ever again. So, you know, you you want to stay, but not everyone's there for just the football part of it. So nope. you got to give them options. So that was that was cool to see. Uh, flyover was nice, uh, apparently. the So everything, shout out to Keith Carter and whoever did some things. Hearing that is really encouraging because the Ole Miss that I used to know did not do stuff like that. The chief complaint was not the music was too loud. It was Glenn Waddle's mic is too loud. And that was also still a problem, apparently. The PA? The PA, uh, yeah. Gosh, man, I mean, you hear him through your television. But anyway, uh, so that's encouraging. I have a feeling the atmosphere is going to be great. Not full, not 100%, but but great on Saturday night for Tulane, as it should be. Uh, interesting challenge coming to Oxford this weekend. But anyway, I know that's not f- actual football-related, but it's another example of things might actually be changing around your athletic department. Because, like I said, the Ole Miss that I knew – would not have had a an actual party at a football game and students were not staying until the middle of the third quarter in a game against Austin P. There was no way that was happening uh, when I was at Ole Miss. No freaking way. 
it was going down like that. So shout out to uh, to all the people there for making that happen. And Saturday should be a really fun one, a really fun one. But anyway, now football. Uh, overarching thought: Ole Miss fifty four, Austin P seventeen. So first of all, I'm glad I was able to watch it. I was able to contact a friend and borrow their ESPN Plus subscription to be able to watch it on Saturday, which I really appreciate. So shout out to my group message uh, (laughs) for the big help there. Um, The overarching takeaway, it's hard to say this really. I know it was a short week. They only practiced once, I think. One time. The defense really, I think, I'm going to keep giving this a, a kind of a caveat because it wasn't a huge step back overall, but I thought they looked slower. I thought they looked less physical and less willing to swarm to the ball like you saw against Louisville. I, I wasn't impressed. Obviously, Austin P. they didn't score much early, but they were moving the ball more effectively than Austin P. should against an SEC defense. Yeah, A lot yeah. of like first-down plays that turned into another first down. You don't want to see that because mm-hmm. against a team that can actually execute as they get a drive going, those are going to end in points. Yeah, I, I'm with you in that. I, it looked to me like that was a football team that played for five days prior. It looked like a football team that had only practiced once in the week, and that looked like a team that was playing Austin P. Yep. Short rest. They, they looked a little gassed. It's hard to get jazzed up for Austin P. All those factors. That's what I kept thinking, even in the blowout, was like, they're not sharp, and I understand why. They looked tired. They looked faster against Louisville, an objectively faster football team. I, I, I am willing to give a pass. And, I mean, honestly, so Austin P. threw for 260 yards on 44 attempts. That's just 5.9 per attempt, which is a really small number. And Austin P. averaged 3.8 per carry. Uh, I mean, considering everything, I'm willing to give all that a pass because it was on short rest. They did only practice one time. Austin P ran 90 plays. Yeah. 90 plays in the game. That's something else, too, from a conditioning standpoint. Again, against a team that can execute moving forward, that kind of tempo, I think, could give this defense a lot of problems. And they've got to shore up a lot of things, even against a team like Tulane that early in the season they've shown the ability to score a lot of points. Yeah. So this could be a very high-scoring game on Saturday if they bring that same kind of effort that they had on Saturday. Yeah, at least they'll be able to practice more than once. Right. Uh, but before the, <laughs> the two-lane game, I mean, whoever made this schedule, good call. Because could you imagine if they'd have had to play two-lane on Saturday after a Monday night in Atlanta where they got back at like 3 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday? Yeah, I, I think it was a very well-timed FCS opponent. Yeah. And speaking of the schedule, and, and maybe we can get into this later in the week, but obviously having the bye week from an injury perspective is great before the Alabama game, but I, I think that also helps them not to overlook Tulane. I think you don't have to worry about, all right, you gear up to play Tulane, then Alabama right away next Saturday. You mm-hmm. have a whole week in between that. Yeah, that's, a good, that's an interesting point, especially – They'll be able to get. They'll have the team's attention when they watch the Oklahoma film. I mean, the the Oklahoma game might be the best thing that's happened to Ole Miss in terms of game prep because they can't just be like, "Well, it's Tulane," yeah, and and you know, not prepare fully because they'll be able to watch the Oklahoma game and say, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I mean, when Tulane turned the football over early, if I remember correctly, in that game, like they could have won that game. Yeah, 
and their quarterback was what a half yard short on a fourth and twelve that they could have kept that drive going. Yeah, and I, I heard someone on your post game live stream on Saturday night said, you know, how vanilla do you keep it for Tulane? And I thought your answer was perfect. You can't keep it vanilla because this is a team that can score, and you have to give Tulane, I think, your full attention. You do, yeah. You cannot go vanilla uh, against Tulane, and they really don't. Their scheme doesn't do that. Uh, so the question was, do you keep it vanilla so you don't show Alabama anything on film? And I think at this point we've learned that they don't hide things on film that they can do because they don't decide what they can do until it's time to play a particular opponent. Like the, I don't know if I'm wording that the best way, but they're going to watch Alabama film and decide where Alabama is weakest and then pick things to do to beat Alabama. It's not like they're hiding something. Where they're vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, true. But that's how they'll do it. They're not going to like hide things to save for Alabama. They're going to prepare and do things specifically catered for Alabama. So there's nothing that they will do in the Tulane game this weekend that Alabama will be like, oh, there's that magic bullet. They're, they're not going to beat us now because what Ole Miss is going to do for Tulane will not be the same thing they're going to try to do to Alabama. It's not Mike Leach. It's not... We're going to run the air raid, and this is what we are going to do, and we're going to do it to every opponent, and we're going to throw 50 times and complete under 300 yards worth of passes. That's not what they're going to do. It's catered for their opponent. But no, Tulane will get their full attention, and especially in the defensive room, DJ Durkin will put on that Oklahoma film, and they will be awoken very quickly to to a challenge they've got coming this weekend for sure. Yep. On the offensive side of the ball, as far as a takeaway from the Austin P game, I don't think they protected very well. I think Matt Corral took a lot more hits than you should in a game against an FCS opponent. And they're not run blocking well either. <laughs> Lane Kiffin in his uh, in his press conference today, we'll play that for you guys on Wednesday uh, at the end of the podcast. But um, Pro Football Focus ranked Ole Miss as the number three offensive line in college football, and Lane was asked about that and just roasted his offensive line and said, "I mean, but what do I know?" Just made fun of the ranking and and talked about how bad they were. I don't think they're run blocking particularly well either. I'm not impressed right now with the offensive line. You know, if they're going to go to Tuscaloosa in a couple of weeks and and win, they've got to play better than they have. Uh, They're right now getting bailed out in part by competition and also elite-level skill players. They've got to play better. Uh, for sure, uh, does the offensive line. And, and Kiffin said as much today. I mean, he he roasted his guys today, honestly. And Very Nick Saban-esque. Focus. And pro football focus. Very Saban-esque from Kiffin today. Uh, just not impressed at all with his, his offensive line. And, and he shouldn't be because that's not good enough right now. No. And, you know, Henry Parrish was the leading rusher with like nine yards per carry on Saturday. Eight carries, 72 yards. Yeah, that's... It should be higher than that. It should have more rushing yards than that. The, the group the group rushed for 336 yards, so it's hard to say that they didn't have a good day running the football, but objectively watching it, it didn't look impressive. It's Austin The P, way that they got you know, there. Yep. You should run for 336 yards right. against Austin. And P. a lot of that, you know, just looking at the box score here, Plumlee's 64 yards, Kentrell Bullock's 52. Those were all when the game was out of reach. So really just looking at the first half, they didn't run the ball that effectively against Austin P. No, it's got to get better. And, and, you know, we've got a sample size with that unit that says that they're good. 
And uh, there was no Umana last week either. So they were having to shuffle some guys around. I'm not waving any kind of red flag just yet, but it's something to keep an eye on for sure. It has not been impressive, and Kiffin said as much today. Uh, Needs to get better. Who doesn't need to get better is Matt Corral, although there's one thing that he did that pisses me off. (laughs) I actually yelled at my TV on Saturday when he took a hit in the third quarter. I was scree- I was- I screamed at him. I said, what the <laughs> hell are you doing, Matt? Don't do that. God, what is he thinking? I, I respect him, though. I mean, he- That's two he- weeks in a row now. Two weeks in a row he's taken hits late in games that he doesn't need to. I-, I respect it. The team loves it. You know, he wants to get physical and be a ball player, and he's not going to quit. If-, if there's still time on the clock, he's going to play. But damn it, Matt. You cannot take hits like that against Austin P, man. You got to protect yourself a little bit. I mean, he was great. He should have had a couple more touchdown passes. Uh, yeah, two hundred eighty-one yards, five touchdowns in the game. Uh, a really good stat padding night, honestly. Which is kind of what, what he, the uh, the guy with the pocket square on the call said Saturday night. Who was that on the? Oh, it was Richard. <laughs> I, I, I watched the game on mute. Oh, okay. Not because of Richard, although I, you know. Um, wouldn't have enjoyed it anyway, but uh, I had the state game with the volume on. But, yeah, I mean, it was a stat-padding night. It, yep. it was don't hurt yourself, although he took a hit in the third quarter. Um, and just move on. Get get touchdown passes, get yards, move on, ho-hum. He, it just looks like the game moves so slow for him. It's just so slow in the best way. I, I mean, just he's in complete command of every decision he makes, everything he does. Um, well, what else can you say? I mean, it's yeah. Austin P. He should look like that, but I mean, he's looked like that. I think the, the every again, game but two that I've seen him play, right? And I think again, a takeaway: you try to look for little things after a game like this. His chemistry with Dontario Drummond really is just continuing to grow, and yeah. he's growing into that number one receiver role. Although he was way too casual with the ball on that fourth down, yeah, that could have been a touchdown. About that too, he that was so funny. Was and. But, you know, outside of that, Drummond, you know, everyone coming into the season, including Lane Kiffin, he's said it multiple times, is he thought Braylon Sanders would have the highest numbers of any receiver in that room this year. Uh, But, you know, Drummond just keeps finding ways open. He's clearly the best option on those RPOs, which Ole Miss loves to run. Yeah, they're they're keeping Braylon Sanders out of it. I mean, even Austin P. they're going to... Everybody's going to do this drop eight on Ole Miss and force crowded to beat them underneath, and he's going to, it appears. Yeah, until until he has not that game. I'm not. I don't think he'll have a multi interception game this season. But until those start to not really work as well, and he won't have his picking and choosing against a team like Alabama, we haven't seen them take those deep shots really yet this season. You saw a couple to Mingo. Uh, I don't know how many times you can run a counter on this podcast of how many times I say it's Austin P. Right. So you take those shots against Austin P. But, you know, I don't think we'll see those deep shots against better teams until a little later in the season when teams prove that they can take away that underneath underneath stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's a pick your poison with this offense. You have to. I suspect most people are going to do that drop eight thing because, you know, if they beat us underneath, fine, but we're not giving up a 75-yard touchdown pass. Uh, so maybe that's what people are going to do, but you got to pick your poison with this offense. They're going to beat you one way or another. You just have to hope that you can bait Corral into mistakes instead of giving up 
you know, anything over the top. Yep. And that that'll probably be a weekly thing. But they're not a they're not a physical group necessarily. Mingo, I think, can be. Yeah, but I, I am curious be. to see if anyone gets up to the line and challenges them at like at the line of scrimmage. It's the same thing that bothered me watching the Browns Chiefs game yesterday. I would love someone to just press Travis Kelsey once or twice. Just try. Just try. <laughs> I know no one from the Browns is listening and the game is over, but that bothered me to no end. And But I think it's a similar approach that you may see teams take against Ole Miss. If they truly can't take away that underneath threat, uh, I wonder if people will get physical at the line of scrimmage. I think that would, be a, that would prove to be a mistake. I think so, too. But, but a team like Alabama has the athletes yeah. to do it. God, I can't wait for that game. I'm so fascinated in that game. I know it feels like we're we're all just kind of waiting till that point for this to you know for this thing to really get rolling. Backup quarterbacks, nothing. I mean, nothing interesting there. I know they played and stuff. Altmaier looked like he got hurt. He was grabbing like his abdomen. Or yeah, something. he was grabbing grabbing his stomach. Um, you know, there's nothing to there's nothing to take away from the, the backup quarterbacks at all. Zero, nothing to take away from it. I know other people than, want to. There's nothing to take away from it at all. Other nothing. than what we've said before, which is if it gets to the point where you care who the backup quarterback is, your season's over already. So, yeah. it, mm-hmm. if anything happens to Matt Corral, neither of these quarterbacks are going to operate this offense. Well, it sounds like it's going to be the. It might end up being the Western Kentucky transfer anyway. You just you don't play him. I mean, he transferred not long ago. Yeah, he got there like right before the season started. So it might end up being him. But yeah, either way, I mean, it just it doesn't matter that there was nothing that either one of them showed that is. I mean, it's just not enough. I mean, they didn't play enough to to really take anything away from what either one of them did, and that's fine. It's just I was looking forward to seeing them get a little bit more action, and neither one of them did. So there's nothing really to take away, except for it sounds like Altmyer's QB two at least right now. It seems like it. But again, like you said, I mean, if, if Crowell goes out, this this team, you have to adjust your expectations. Yep. Because they're, they're not winning nine games or whatever it's going to be if he gets hurt, knock on wood. And that would happen to 99% of teams in America. Yep. You know, when you lose your starting quarterback, your team gets worse. That's just kind of how life goes. But I'm interested to know why the Western Carolina transfer, who was originally at Maryland, why didn't he go to South Carolina? He could have walked in there and started, like on day one. He could have. I don't I don't know. I don't think that he'll ever meet the media or whatever unless he becomes the starting quarterback for whatever reason. But I wonder if there's a ch- I wonder if there's a chance that he can get an extra year of eligibility and that's why. Maybe. That cuz that that's an interesting move for him to come in with one year of eligibility left to be a backup when he could have gone somewhere to start. Hell, like you said he could have gone to South Carolina. Uh or he could have gone the FCS and played on a playoff contender. I mean, he could have gone to Furman, and they would have gone to the playoffs, and he could have lit the world on fire. I, I wonder if that's not a possibility where he's your bridge to Arch Manning. Yeah, could be. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> thinking out loud here because nothing else uh, really makes sense there. What you do after there. an FCS game, we just start throwing some stuff at the wall. Yeah, see what you sticks. know. I mean, why not? <laughs> Anything else to take away? I mean, like we said going into it, it's Austin P. I, I mean, nobody got hurt. That's the biggest thing. Sounds like uh, Springer and Umana will be back for Tulane, which helps. But otherwise, I just I, I know we're supposed to sit here and give you guys like this in depth breakdown, but I, I don't know what to say. Corral was good and comfortable, and he got to pad his stats. The defense honestly looked gassed to me. They looked like they were a team that played five days prior and didn't practice. And Scotty Walden, 
You know, when your quarterback's limping around and you're getting beat by 30 points, maybe don't throw him back on the field. I, I, mean, I thought that, too. He was clearly limping for a long time during that game, and he was still out there. Again, You're not winning the game, dude. No. Take, take your guy out. Go try to win whatever conference you're in. What are they in? Uh, who? I mean, who cares? Ohio Patriot Valley, League, I think. Ohio Valley, whatever. I mean, you're, you're putting your hurt quarterback in the game against a defense that is absolutely ripping him in half any time they can get a chance, and yet you do your little bounce thing, your little bounce thing, and then run him Well, he hobbles back on the field just to go get hurt some more. I thought that was really bad for him, honestly. He's, and he's small. He's like my size, yeah. 5'11", 170, I think. They just, list him at 175. He's thin. so Yeah, I hated that. I, I When the dude's limping around in the third quarter of an absolute blowout, take him out of the game, dude. You're not winning. You're not coming back. You're not sending a bad message to your team. If their quarterback's limping and it's a blowout, you can sit him and, and it's fine. Like I, I thought that was really bad form, Me too. honestly. I, I, every time he limped onto the field, I thought, this is... Coaching malpractice. Yeah, almost. and I guess that comes with being, whatever, 31, 31. Uh, as a head coach. But I maybe not because someone like me with zero coaching experience could sit there on the couch and say, take him out of the game. So He shouldn't have been in there. But is there anything not. anything else? I, I feel bad. I feel cynical today. I don't mean to be. It's just <laughs> there's nothing to take away from games like this other no. than you won. Uh, Tywin Malone played. So uh, here's two things. Malone played. Which is good. That means, obviously, he's healthy enough to play, which is good. He looks a little bit, not I don't want to say out of shape, but what a difference between guys that have been in Wilson Love's program <laughs> for a couple of years and a freshman coming yeah, in. It's a very noticeable drop-off. It's just crazy how there are some people like, oh, yeah, freshman, instant impact freshman. Not many. It's a different game, but he he looked healthy and he got a sack, and that was that was really nice to see. Maybe he'll come along and be a rotation piece later this year. Sam Williams had a couple of sacks. Braylon Brown played, so that was not a season-ending injury. I was uh, trying to think. Speaking of Sam Williams, when was Ole Miss? When was their last defensive touchdown? I didn't really get a chance to dive deep into that. I, I just kind of thought of it earlier today, and I had other stuff going on, but. That's a question. If anyone out there can answer that, please tweet it at me or tweet it at Borky. Tweet it at one of us and let us know because I'm very curious. Last defensive touchdown. Also bad on third down again for the second week in a row. Five of 14, I think. And penalties. Yeah, penalties. 130 yards worth of penalties again. Right. A couple of the PIs were pretty pathetic, though. Those were Both of them on Miles Battle I thought were bad. The one on Jalen Yeah, they're Jones, doing a little hand fine. fighting, but he's got his head around and he's making a play on the ball. Yeah. You don't drop P.I. there. No. That's my number one thing during football season, and that's how Taylor knows that it's officially football season when we're watching games together if I yell, turn around at the TV. No matter what game I'm watching, I yell at defensive backs because it just drives me up a wall. When the receiver clearly is looking for the football and the DB does absolutely nothing except try to face guard him. Just uh, anyway, that's that's my little side rant every season. So yeah, that's it. Ole Miss Austin P. Uh, that's that's. I feel bad again. I feel bad for being cynical, but the, it's an FCS team that you're better than. Uh, great student crowd. They deserve a lot of credit. Nobody got hurt. You got to pad your quarterback stats a little bit. You got to play a bunch of guys, and now you've got a chance to rest up a little bit and get ready for a, a real challenge in Tulane. 
incoming this weekend. We'll talk about that more on Wednesday and Friday. We'll play you Lane Kiffin's press conference uh, coming up on Wednesday. Don't forget to subscribe while you're here. Thank you so much for uh, making the podcast a part of your day, and we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.